I have discovered historical precedence to the transistor existing as far back as the existence of the borax or baking soda diode. Now we know that the borax baking soda diode is the foundation for our current day electrolytic capacitors. So already we have one variation on the idea of the borax baking soda diode by making an electrolytic capacitor out of it. There's another variation with a slight modification. We can turn the borax baking soda diode into a transistor of low frequency switching oscillation rate. <clears throat> giving us a modest power gain, which is, I believe, what the, the Amon brothers did. They made use of this modified borax baking soda diode in the format of a transistor. It's so simple, it's ridiculous. And we know more about the Amon brothers' device than we do about Tesla's Pierce Arrow demonstration or his trimetal generator, for that matter. Um, we do know what William Line tells us about the trimetal generator, that it makes use of the properties of copper, aluminum, and iron, inasmuch as the, alum the aluminum is reflective, the iron is magnetic, and the copper is reactive. And if you translate reactive from, from English into Russian, um, sometimes you will not get what you expect. You will get the word active completely uh, turning around causation and its effect. You know, does real power cause reactive power to arise, or is it the other way around? Does reactive power form? The forces of reactive power come together to create electrical electricity, real power. The latter is what... Um, Eric Dollard has been promoting not using those words. Uh, he uses the words, uh, the three ingredients of electricity are time, magnetism, and the dielectric. And um, as far as I'm concerned, the dielectric is the uh, force of capacitance and magnetism is the force of inductance. Um inasmuch as they're so parallelly, so parallel and so similar, there's hardly any difference between them. I mean, they're like cousins. Um, the capacitive reactants and the inductive reactants modifies amps and volts. Um, you know, when the container takes on the identity of the energy inside the container, it's hard to tell, tell the difference because that's what... Um, reactive power is capable of doing when you pass it through a resistor it becomes real power even though the amps and the volts were separated as much as possible by 180 degrees of phase separation between them um anyway i'm way off topic here so this transistor idea you know the commercialization of transistors occurred during World War II, but that doesn't mean they were, some lone inventor didn't come up with it and then use it for his own pet project, and then we never heard about it because he didn't pass around the knowledge. And I suspect that's what happened. The Amon brothers wanted to, but failed. 
and uh, Tesla demonstrated it but didn't go any further. Now, according to now, now the version that so I believe Tesla used the Amon circuit, which is his circuit, his Tesla trimetal generator. Uh, because he had a public patent available at the time that is now sequestered. It's under wraps, highly classified, due to World War II recognizing him as a genius, whereas prior to that, we thought he was a crackpot. Um, at least our government recognizes him as a genius, and we'd like to uh, keep that under wraps, um, along with a certain body, a number, a couple hundred of his patents that are no longer in public view. And one of them I suspect the Amon brothers read and implemented. But they implemented the lower frequency version, the liquid version of the transistor variation of the borax baking soda diode, which has only which has a, a modest energy gain due to the lower frequency of switching. But the one that Tesla used in his Pierce error demonstration of 1931 uses pressurized helium, kind of similar, uh, um, kind of. Uh, Reminiscent of uh, Joseph Newman's um, mysterious uh, secret that Byron Brubaker, an electrical engineer from Wabash, Indiana, gave him the secret, and uh, Newman never gave him the credit, said God gave him the knowledge, and um, took the secret to his grave. And I had to figure it out under simulation that something was remiss, um, that the frequency was much higher than the rotating frequency of the, his so-called uh, permanent magnet rotor, um, and it turned out to be the exciting oscillating frequency of the gas molecules of the helium inside of his PVC sewage pipe canisters, being excited by an open coil wrapped around those canisters as Byron explained it to me. Well, in Tesla's case, he didn't use liquid borax or baking soda in a water solution. He used pressurized helium. And it's still the same transistor makeup in which um, a slight variation is made of the borax baking soda diode to turn it into a transistor, and it's so elegant, it's remarkable. And it makes use of Tesla's trimetal generator properties um, that William Lyne relays to us from his book, Pentagon Aliens. Um, but that's, uh, according to Byron... He stated to me over the phone that um, the reason why Peter Savo was along not was because he needed somebody to talk to, because <laughs> Tesla did another demonstration of a different type of motor, a more reactive motor, back in 1897, and he had nobody come along. He just had himself. Arthur Matthew tells us about that. But in 1931, he had Peter, because Peter had to keep his eye on the pressure gauge on the dashboard of the car to make sure the pressure stayed up. That was his job. And then Tesla could just drive. And according to Byron, it was a pressurized capacitor. Well, you know, my version, my speculation is not far different because we know now that you can take the borax baking soda diode and make an electrolytic capacitor out of it. So if you can make a transistor out of it, maybe that's what the pressure gauge was looking at to make sure that the pressure was up on the helium and stayed up because when you raise the pressure of helium, I suspect the frequency goes up. And when the frequency of oscillations of the helium at, um, uh, 
molecules. I think they're dihelium. They're bound together, or maybe not. They may be mon monoatomic, but regardless. When the frequency of oscillations goes up due to voltage, because then you don't have to have a high voltage like Newman had to excite the helium as high. You can reduce the voltage because now you're increasing the pressure. And you need something elevated in order to get the good results. And whether it's elevated voltage or whether it's a combination of elevated pressure in addition to a mild voltage, the latter, I suspect, is what happened in order to improve efficiency of design and operating maintenance. Um, I suspect that's what Tesla did. He probably had pressurized canisters of helium feeding the transis transistor in question with a regulator in between, maintaining a certain pressure so that it was less than the canister pressure feeding the darn thing, but it was still elevated over ambient um, let's say, sea level pressures of the atmosphere or wherever they were. They were or Buffalo, New York, I believe, when they had the demonstration occur, which is probably higher than sea level, but it's still uh, less than what you would want optimally in your helium capacitor, your pressurized capacitor. So I suspect that's what happened. And so basically these insights came to me in stages as to how to fit in the transistor into the Tesla trimetal generator arrangement and make use of what little we know about the Yaman Brothers circuit as well because it's, a, it's really one and the same thing. All three kit and caboodle is one and the same thing. It's just... <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. It's, it's a combination of two different variations one with a higher frequency to give us more gain because the property of iron is not merely that it's magnetic. That's an understatement. It also has hysteresis, which means it filters out higher frequencies. And that energy of the higher frequencies has to go somewhere. It goes into the energy of the lower frequency that's allowed to pass through the iron. And that lower frequency now has all the energy of the higher frequency which is going to be an, which is going to be elevated the the energy level is going to go up once it comes out of the higher frequency and goes into the lower frequency and so now you've got all this power gain are are the resulting from the high frequencies forming in in the first place but not enough to power a motor certainly not a 4000 pound pierce arrow at nine, accelerate it to 90 miles per hour in a reasonable amount of time, a reasonable amount of seconds. So all of this, and I haven't told you the reconfiguration of the borax baking soda diode configuration to cause it to become a transistor. But you know, this anybody who's an electrical engineer can figure that out on their own. Maybe, maybe not. And how to work the aluminum, uh, copper, and iron into the picture so that it all makes sense. I figured it out, and it, did, and, it's, and it makes perfect sense to me. I'm just self-taught. I'm not even formally taught, and it's, it makes perfect sense. Knowing the properties of paramagnetism, diamagnetism, and ferromagnetism, it's not that hard to figure out. 